0: Imagine a medical syndrome affecting as many as 20% of people who are resuscitated after almost dying in a medical or surgical setting. This means that as many as 8 million to 20 million Americans have experienced the syndrome. We are talking about near death experiences. Imagine being on the brink of death and then ascending from your body, hovering over it and feeling no pain, just complete love and bliss. Then traveling through a tunnel of light and seeing religious beings or even deceased loved ones. Imagine experiencing this and realizing it's not your time to die. Maybe you have a purpose left to fill or maybe it's another chance at life to start living right. For many people, the question of what happens when we die is a scary and mysterious one. But for some who have been through near-death experiences, the question has a clear answer.
1: What is up guys? We are back. I am Derek.
0: What's up? This is Amber.
1: And we are with Quad State Paranormal. And well, like I said, we're back. We did miss last week, but for good reasons. It was Mother's Day.
0: And we hope all you awesome mamas out there had an excellent weekend.
1: We did have a lot of people that were asking, you know, just to make sure that they didn't miss our episode. they (laughs) missed hearing us. (laughs) So that was nice uh, that, you know, we have listeners that were Wondering why we didn't post one. <laughs> it's not, you know, after five episodes. Right? So that's yeah. pretty good. Well, I guess this, yeah, is, the this fifth. is the fifth episode. Yeah, one. this is the yeah. fifth episode. So that is good. Um, and we do have new listeners in Germany.
0: That's to awesome. To add to the
1: list. So that's kind of crazy. But, uh, oh, go ahead.
0: Well, by the way, we did take new pictures for our Quad State page. So if you want to see some handsome pictures of my hubby, get on <laughs> Facebook or go to Instagram, type in Quad State Paranormal, and you can see his very handsome face.
1: <laughs> and there are also pictures of my gorgeous wife Aww, on there if you would like you. to see those
0: <laughs> oh it was actually like um my ideal though well not the pictures but we saw this old abandoned barn so i'm like let's go there and you he was not wanting to do pictures on that barn and like we saw an old abandoned house and i'm like yeah let's go do pictures. i'm all
1: about doing some pictures i'm not about getting arrested
0: there were no no trespassing signs <laughs> up, so Still. I mean that well, was it was fair property. We could it if you was uh, fine. if
1: you do see the pictures, uh, you know they were. Uh, it
0: was my it was my idea. Some,
1: well, somewhere um, you know done in the barn, and then we also went into an old abandoned house. So, mm-hmm. um,
0: which like I said, he was totally against the whole time. Did not want to go in the barn. He's like, we can go outside the barn, but I'm not going in it. Well. I made him go in it, and I made him go in the house. So uh,
1: regardless, the pictures were done. I thought they turned out really
0: cool. I liked them so definitely. Well, and I did, check we, them out. we
1: did have people ask though who was taking our pictures, you know, wanting to know um, if they were done professionally or not. Yeah, our and
0: tripod, my camera, and the self timer. That, <laughs> that was it. Our pictures.
1: That was it. But uh, well, I guess we need to move on. I don't know how long this episode will be. Yeah.
0: So well. On this, this is our fifth episode. It is called Somewhere Between Life and Death. Um, and we're talking about can the mind function outside the physical body? So, yes, we are talking about out of body experiences, near death experiences, and shared death
1: experiences. That, yeah. Um, have you ever had a feeling of floating outside your not. body? I, I have not, I either. have not. Um, you know. When researching this topic, some of the stuff that I read, I'm like, I'm glad I've never had this experience. Um, And then other times you're like, "Eh, that's not so bad. Um, But uh, I have not. I've never had any experience that was tied to this topic at all.
0: I think it would be neat, though, because a lot of people say it's left a positive impact on them. And some, like, don't have the fear of dying anymore. So I think that would be a good that's because Experience they saw the
1: have? the long hair and blue eyes of Jared Leto <laughs> in these stories. But the, it's, um, you know, getting into out-of-body experiences and stuff, apparently it is a big thing, you know. I mean, there was quite a few stories online.
0: Yeah, a lot of people um, have experienced Right,
1: like. and... You know, and I didn't, I guess I just didn't realize how big of a topic it was Mm -hmm. um, until you start researching it. Um, But it, um, definitely some, some crazy stories attached to it.
0: Should I start?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Story number one. Well, my
0: story is about a lady named Anita. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. More Johnny, I think. Uh, She was battling cancer. She had lymphoma. She was losing the battle and went into a coma in 2006. This is when she says she crossed over into the afterlife and came back. She said it was like being in an unlimited space and time. So these are her, coming up, these are her words. I felt as though I was above my body and I had 360 degree peripheral vision of the whole area and beyond the room. She was reunited with her father who told her to turn back. He said that I've gone as far as I can and if I go any further... I won't be able to turn back. But I felt I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. It was just incredible because for the first time, all the pain had gone. All the discomfort had gone. All the fear was gone. I just felt so incredible. And I felt as though I was enveloped in this feeling of just love, unconditional love. And signing an incredible clarity where everything started to make sense. She said she decided to return to her body because she believed it would heal very quickly, and it did. Within four days, well, this is what she says. Within four days, my tumor shrank by 70%, and the doctors were shocked, she said. And I kept telling everyone that I know I'm going to be okay. I know it's not my time to die. So that's just wow.
1: Yeah, I, uh... So in that one, because, it, you know, some of the other stories that uh, even ones that we're going to get into. Um, well, maybe because I don't remember because I read so many of them. So she actually made the decision to return to her body, right. according to her she story. She said
0: she saw her father and he told her that she needed to turn back because if she didn't, once she crossed over that boundary, there was no going back. After So she
1: that. she actually in her story or in her subconscious or whatever, she had the choice of whether to come back or go ahead and cross over.
0: Right. And she is stating that she knew if she went back, she was going to be okay.
2: Hmm.
1: That's interesting actually, because actually that's the first, you know, the first story that I actually heard where they had a choice, um, on whether to go ahead and cross over or come back. So, because most of these stories that you hear, you know, they're being pulled towards the white light or they're, you know, or, somebody's telling them it's not your time. And then they wake up. So that's, um, yeah, that ending was kind of completely yeah, different most, than what I thought it was going to be. Well,
0: the most amazing thing is, you know, she went back and four days after that experience, her tumors had shrank right. by
1: 70%. Well, and, uh, my story, my first story I have, it's, it's a short story. Um, but it's about a guy named, uh, Michael and it says, uh, let's see after heart surgery, Ten years ago, Michael, he, age 35, uh, remembers floating above his bed in the hospital. Looking down, he saw nurses frantically moving around him, uh, calling for them to grab the paddles. Uh, despite the urgency in the room around him, Michael reports feeling really calm uh, You know, for the entire time. He just floated above, watching... Then suddenly it ended. He woke up in the hospital bed with his dad and girlfriend sitting beside him. When he relayed the experience to the nurse, she laughed and just said it's a common experience for cardiac patients who have flatlined. Michael never considered himself a religious man, but after that experience, he knows there's something in the universe that is much larger than us. With that story... You know, that also comes up with, you know, with that nurse saying that there are different experiences and stuff depending on your medical condition, I guess. Um, One of the things that I found is that experts have linked several medical and health issues to um, OBEs, or out-of-body experiences, such as epilepsy, migraine, cardiac arrest, brain injuries, depression anxiety um so I mean I don't know I didn't really get into all of the stuff that goes into that uh with the medical stuff because I know we're just kind of telling stories about it so I didn't want to get really on the scientific side of it
0: right but that's kind of like more of an explanation of why they happen and that in a lot of scientists right. claim that they're not actual like near-death experiences
1: well and you know and you know that's we could do that in another topic some other time uh, the scientific you know side of this because we like to keep this under an hour and not right, yeah. but um it uh you know they do say that there are some some uh, medical reasons and stuff that people may or may not have experienced some stuff like this so i thought that was interesting
0: All right Can I add something to that, though? I know you said you'd get a little bit further, but I don't think this is going to take that long. But, you know, a lot of people say um, lack of oxygen and something about lack of oxygen causing um, something to do with the retina. And that's why they're seeing that bright light. I actually read Um, that, too. uh, Let's see. Some say they're caused by cerebral anoxia, which is a lack of oxygen to the brain undetected brain activity or the release of psychedelic chemicals like ketamine
1: well you know and a lot of people they say um what a lot of doctors and stuff they say about uh that that white light and stuff which i'm assuming is that what you're talking about with the retinal
0: right yeah that's how why they see that bright light you
1: know they always kind of contribute that to the bright light being above them on the surgery table Mm -hmm. or in the er or wherever they're at Whether, you know, the subconscious or whatever, they're opening their eyes a little bit, and I can see that bright light just shining at them. Um, So that is another thing, you know, that could be uh, contributed to the the white light at the end of the tunnel.
0: But a lot of scientists think that they're nothing more than brain-created hallucinations, no more than real dreams. Uh, On this psychology today, though, there's someone who says... But there are problems with all of these explanations because with cerebral anoxia usually results in chaotic hallucinatory experiences and associated with confusion and memory loss. But people with near-death experience, they're not like that. They're usually serene and structured
1: Hmm.
0: experiences. Um, Research has shown no significant similarity between psychedelic experiences because there's no evidence that the brain... uh, because they're thinking it's by, like, release of right, ketamine yeah. and stuff. But um, with near-death experiences, there's no evidence that the brain has a hidden store of psychedelic chemicals that are released when we are close to death. So that's just a few little, a few things. Right. Going, like, some saying it's just scientific or hallucinations, and then the other side of that saying, no, it can't be that. So it, it kind of gives both.
1: Well, and and, you know, as we know and everybody that is in the paranormal field there's always the paranormal side of things and the scientific side of you know side of things right so i mean there's there's always not necessarily a battle but there's always going to be that no matter what somebody says could be paranormal or could be you know seeing the white light or seeing a ghost or seeing whatever um you're still going to run into that side that of the the skeptics which is a good thing i'm not saying, right, no yeah. way am i saying that's a bad thing but you're going to run into that side with skeptics that are all they are doing is trying to prove how you saw that why you saw that right and stuff so that's where we meet in the middle you know and we're so we're trying to both sides are trying to create what's going on, you know,
0: which also leads to, I found information on veridical near death experiences where people actually acquire verifiable information that they could not have obtained through any normal means. They can see events that occurred in another room or another location. Say for instance, like if they were in the emergency room of a hospital, they claim they can see events that happen in other areas of the hospital so there's that part of it, too.
1: Yeah, that, well, that's kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I do have another story. Um, actually, none of my stories had to do, they were all, in took place in a hospital. Uh, well, but, you would expect that, yeah. really,
1: though. My next story is not in a hospital. Okay, well, so. that'll, <laughs> be a, that'll be a good <laughs>
0: change up. But uh, my story is, uh, good Good grief, these people and their names. Like I know Barbara Par- Bartolo? Bartolome? Bartolome? Well, we're just going to say Barbara. She's had a near-death experience. When she was 31, she went to the hospital for a myelogram. Uh, Let's see. It's a diagnostic imaging procedure that involves injecting iodine dye into the base of their neck. She said the dye accidentally went into her brain, and within moments, she was unconscious and flatlining. This is her story. These are her words. I literally went from inside my body, and when I shut my eyes... The next second, I was up on the ceiling looking down at the entire room, she recalled. There was this feeling of a presence that was next to me. It felt like it was God. It felt so loving and so accepting and so eternal. I literally looked down and said, Huh, if I'm up here and my body's down there, then I think I must have just died. I don't think I would have been that calm about it. I don't
1: think so. (laughs) Huh, I must be dead. (laughs)
0: But she wasn't ready to die yet. She said she began calmly talking to the presence and telling it how much she wanted to go back to her baby daughter and 8-year-old son. She kept expressing how much she wanted to be there to help raise them and contribute to their lives. Pledging to make changes in her life, she said she was suddenly back. I shut my eyes up on the ceiling and reopened them, and I was looking right into the orthopedic surgeon's face. She recalled noting that from the moment on she was filled with love, peace and purpose. The loss of the loss of fear of death is so amazing. And she actually believes that that was one of her purposes to come back was to, you know, tell people about her experience uh, to make them less afraid of dying. That's what she said she believed. She put, put, I realized that talking about my near-death experience is is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's the peace that I'm supposed to give. It's the gift, she said.
1: And with that comes, like I said before, so now she has set her life to talk about this experience, Mm -hmm. to kind of let people know you don't have to be scared of dying. You don't have to worry about what's on the other side right? per se, because, um, you know, I've been there and I know. Tiptoe in the skeptics. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now you're, I, I mean, I understand to have, you know, to be passionate about something and stuff, but to set your life goal, you're going to, I mean, to me, in that kind of situation, you're going to hit wall after wall after wall because you're the only one that has experienced it. Well, I mean, in this situation, I'm not saying she's the only one because clearly we have stories. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, in her situation, she's the only one that has um, experienced that for herself. Right. So going and telling other people, you're still going to run into yeah, I don't know if I believe that yeah, because of I are wasn't there. Think she's
0: crazy. But or, that's lot,
1: but that's with anything.
0: Yeah, they're gonna say, Oh, the dye was the dye was injected in your brain, so it had to do with just a hallucination.
1: Right. I mean that's you're getting into um But
0: I think it's great that she's so passionate about it. Oh, yeah, that I'm, that, that's not, yeah, that's that not that, what I was saying. You know, that she does believe that this was my experience and this is what's going to happen when you die. There's nothing to fear. I think that is great that she's so passionate about it. And if
1: that is what it took for her to get passionate about something, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not, it's not, <laughs> you're walking a fine line with this. So <laughs> it's, it's not good that she had to experience the pain right. and stuff to mm-hmm. get there. If you know what I mean. Right. To her it is because mm-hmm. she knows the outcome now. Oh yeah. But if that's what it took for her to find purpose, to find passion, you know, or to get passionate about something, to be able to go out and tell people about this and and you and she's not doing it to make money. She's not doing it to sell a book. She's not doing it to make a movie, you know, right. and stuff like that. Good for her. Right um i do believe that there's people that go out and they say all this stuff so they can write a book or they can make a movie about it but you know
0: what though i don't know if it's her or not one of them it might have been the the anita lady one of the people did make a book about it but, but I mean, I'm not saying that's why they're saying they had these experiences, though. I mean, I think if I had this experience and I thought that I was supposed to relay that information to make people less afraid of dying, I would probably write a book about it too. But I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure which lady, it, which lady it was that wrote yeah, the
1: book. Well, but. and you see a lot of, I know we're kind of um, this is more of a discussion yeah, group, I guess this time.
0: it's kind, this one's kind of a yeah. You know, I'm you you have a
1: lot discussion. of. You have a lot of people that they see things and they see how well other people are doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, when I started paranormal investigating, it was before TV shows, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it was before, no matter what you turn on, on the travel channel, that's all that's on there. Um, and I have ran into my fair share of people that that's the only reason they are doing this. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, you said that it took you a while to really get into it. Cause you didn't want to be perceived as being a weird, you know, right? Exactly. Like-
1: yeah. I did not want people to go, Oh yeah, that guy believes in ghosts, you know, but it did take, um, it did take me all of a sudden watching a brand new show that came out. Um, And for me to go, huh, well, maybe people aren't going to say that about me now. Or maybe for me to actually start a group and get going. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I did my own thing up until that point, but I didn't start my group until I realized that um, society was kind of opening up, you know, for that. Um, So that I wasn't going to be considered, you know, the freak or whatever. But it's uh you know that's a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people that I have met along the journey through this stuff that's the only reason they're in it. They realize they think they're gonna be the next you know Zach Bagans or whatever, right. and you know, I hate to tell you it's not gonna happen, <laughs> but um, you know they've been doing this for a long time too, um. And, uh,
0: well, you had been doing the paranormal investigating way before we were way before we even met. Right. So when yeah. I first met you and found out you did that, I'm like, okay, you know, cause I've always believed in paranormal stuff like that. So whenever I found out you did that, I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, And now here we are restarting quad state paranormal right, yeah. and doing a and podcast. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: along for the journey. So, so it's, yeah. it's been a great experience so. for me.
1: But we are way off topic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we did I that. I know. So I apologize. Next story, please. <laughs> okay. I got, I got a story. Um,
0: That's not hospital related, so good. It is
1: not. <laughs> he probably should have went, and he may have. But um, this is actually about a guy named Brian. Um, he is now 30 years old. Um, he was seven when he was climbing a tree in his backyard and took a fall. He landed on his back, hitting his head on a root. However, the next thing he knew, he was getting up, brushing himself off, and then he saw his his mom running over and was yelling for his dad at the house. Brian was ready to tell her exactly what had happened and that he was okay when he turned around and looked down and saw his self laying there <laughs> unconscious. Wow. So from a distance, he watched his mom kneel over his body and gently pat his face. He then woke up with her leaning over him. To this day, he is still unsure what caused the amazing experience, but he has uh, he has definitely opened his mind uh, to things where people would normally assume disbelief.
0: Well, I think if I found one of our kiddos land you know that had just fallen out of a tree i don't think i'd just be gently leaning over them gently patting their face um, i'd be no. frantic i'd be screaming wake
1: up son <laughs> junior junior please wake up yeah i don't think that's how that would have been yeah,
0: i don't do good in those situations <laughs> i'd be like derek you look you find out what's wrong and then
1: it had definitely been, been like that, that if you'd have been bleeding
0: i'd be in the background just screaming and like yeah. i'd already be calling nine one one.
1: If he'd have been bleeding, you'd have definitely been yelling at me to look. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, no, that's interesting. Uh, You know, again, another story about a guy seeing his own body. Mm -hmm. I've also heard stories. I didn't get one. I should have because I didn't think about it until just now of people that were in car accidents
0: mm-hmm. though that would have been good i
1: did yeah. not think about that but that's one of the more common out-of-body I know, experiences I about
0: those before but whenever i was looking up to find good stories like nothing popped
1: up um i've seen don't know how true they are but you can look up online and you can see videos that were traffic cameras have caught something
0: i've seen yeah. you
1: know like uh where people have been in accidents and then you see something just kind of fade off to the side kind of looks well, paranormal, you know, so don't know if it's a spirit or, you know, or a soul or, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know, but it's, uh, there are videos out there that was traffic cams.
0: Have you heard ones of people say that somebody saved them and then yes. that person disappeared? Yep. Like after and no they one, saved them, they just disappeared.
1: Well, and then they try for a long time to find this person and they knew they were wearing a, whatever it was they were wearing, whether mm-hmm. it was a construction outfit, whether it was, uh, a police uniform or something and nobody has a clue who this person is even though they were able to read the name tag mm-hmm. you know so yeah oh,
0: why did we not think i that, don't that one know. before? i good just grief. now
1: thought about it but that would have been a good one you know good ones to add to this
0: yeah if you're interested in this topic at all that's one you should you should just type that in and try to find stories like that too because and if you find are,
1: them send them to us yeah, because i would like very to read interesting. them um you know send them to our email whatever that is i never remember our email what is it?
0: Quads? No, no, it is Spirit,
1: Spirit Guides, Guides Podcast. Podcast. QSP at gmail at gmail
0: dot com. Yeah,
1: so if you find some stories, do the easy thing and send it to us on Facebook, <laughs> but because I can never remember that email, but. Or, so-
0: well that story about the the kid that fell out of the tree uh-huh. so his was just he saw his body and then he could see his mom hovering over him and then he just woke up yeah
1: he, he didn't, didn't have
0: any other no he didn't see anything
1: no nope. uh, apparently he just he hit his head real hard on a root and he thought he was fine he thought he was getting mm-hmm. up and uh so he just got up and was dusting his clothes I saw his mom running and was getting ready to tell his mom hey you know I'm I'm good you know, here's what happened. Okay. And then when he turned around, you know, I guess probably to look at the tree or something, he realized, hey, I'm laying right there.
0: He hit so hard, it just knocked his mind right out of his uh, body.
1: I guess. Good grief. That one,
0: yeah, that might be kind of more just out of body and not near death. It could be both. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, that one, yeah, that's kind of an iffy one because he didn't see a light or anything, but he also, you know, was out of body and it wasn't on purpose. Yeah which would be astral projection. But we're not going to discuss yeah. <laughs> that right now. So,
0: But for our next story, we have a very special story coming up next because we actually got the chance to chance to interview someone that had a near death experience.
1: This will be interesting. Yes, it
0: will be. So this is super exciting because we are actually got the chance to interview someone who has had a near-death experience. So you want to say hey? Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. Like I said, we're really excited to have you on today. Um, for, uh, I think the first question I have for you before we actually get into your experience is why do you consider yours a near-death experience instead of just a out-of-body experience?
2: Well, I had been having some heart problems, and I knew that I had heart problems. I couldn't breathe, and I couldn't, I was just uh, high blood pressure, and actually, I was diagnosed later on, going to the doctor with, uh, my heart was only working like at 27%. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so, I knew that I had problems, and I'd been working on trying to find a good doctor to take care of that.
0: Okay, so, so my, yeah. Oh, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you knew you had died. Oh, yes. Okay, well, let's get. Straight into it. What happened? Tell us all about your experience.
2: Well, I'll just tell you. My husband had left for work one morning, and I started to go back to bed. Oh, can I interrupt real quick? How long ago was this? Oh, it's been, uh, it was 2000. Oh, and did I say, I don't know, you
0: were wanting to remain anonymous? Yes. Did I yes, already please. say that? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Let's go ahead. Okay. I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> oh, that's fine. My husband had left for work one morning and I'd started to go back to bed and I had uh, got the cover up around me and I started to lay down and I wasn't feeling well that morning. And I, you know, I didn't, so I knew there was something off anyways, but I started to lay down and right before my head even got halfway down, I just started coming up out of my body and I could actually feel myself come through the, cause I pulled the cover around me to start to lay down. I could feel myself come up through the cover. So I mean, it
0: wasn't necessarily like a fast transition. Uh, uh, no. Up, you actually mm-hmm. felt yourself. Yeah. You could feel the cover, like just going yes, through I could the feel cover. Me going, I
2: could feel me going through the cover. Okay. Yes, and I, and I was just rose straight up over myself. And it was darkness all around me. Mine isn't like the typical uh, out-of-body, you know, well, the death experience. near your death experience, it's not like that because mine. It was darkness everywhere, and you didn't I didn't see no light. No, no I didn't, didn't see go no a tunnel, tunnel of didn't, light or anything. No tunnel, no light or anything. It was complete darkness except for me down on the bed, and I could see me on the bed. And uh, I remember I got so scared. I was, and I didn't have the peaceful. You know, this was what sort of always bothered me because I didn't have that peaceful. You know, yeah, a lot, you lot of people say, yeah. claim that they have
0: felt just automatically, like, peace and
2: comfort. And I was so scared, and I started praying, and I said, oh, God, I'm not ready to die. You know, please don't take me. I got children. You know, I do not want to go right now. Please, I'm not ready. And uh, I was just so scared, and I just begged him not to take me because I, I just started praying to God. And all of a sudden, I started um Hearing these singing bells is about, they had a voice. They were bells and they were like bells ringing, but they also had a voice and they were singing. I know that makes absolutely no sense to anyone, to me. But but.
0: no, that's okay. I'm sure it makes sense to a lot of people because when I researched this topic, it had a list of things that a lot of people will experience during, you know, the near-death experiences. And some people have claimed to have heard A relaxing sound or otherworldly
2: music? And if singing bells isn't otherworldly music, then I don't know what is. (laughs) Oh, I've never heard (laughs) anybody else have the, 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 the singing bells, but it was... You know, I knew, I thought, oh my gosh, what's going, you know, I was thinking, oh my goodness. And that sort of gave me a little bit of comfort, that, though. That was kind of peaceful to <laughs> yes, you, that, hearing that? That was the comfort that, that I got during that Was during, it pretty? Time. Which you could, oh, yes, it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, Oh, okay. yes, it was absolutely beautiful. And they were singing, and they had a voice, and they were also ringing. They had a ringing, singing voice. I can't really descri- describe it to you, but that's as close as I can get to the description of what happened. Did and you th- see
0: them, Mm-mm. or could you just hear, and that's what?
2: Uh, the only thing I seen was darkness. The whole—that's what okay. was. That's, I, I wish I would have had the lights or the tunnel or something like that, because that's you right. Know, but I didn't see. It was still just darkness, and I could still only see me down at the you end know, on the bed. But um, the the uh, singing, so you saw you could see
0: yourself the whole time. <laughs> yes, and okay, and you never transitioned to another spot uh, um, anywhere else. No, okay.
2: I wish I'd have sort of seen the light, and maybe went through and, and seen. You know, uh, I never right. seen nobody actually. But I did hear a, a man's voice, and the man's voice was speaking to me. And I remember it calmed me and it relaxed me. And I remember, but I, I remember I knew what he was saying. I know this doesn't make sense to a lot of people, so I can't really make it make sense. But I knew what he was saying when he was talking to me, and I knew that because I remember b- being calm and relaxed when he was talking to me. But then I remember that uh, when I woke up, I couldn't remember a word of it. And that just aggravated me to pieces. Yeah. I just couldn't stand it. I mean, it just bugged me that I just tried so hard. You know, like when you're trying to remember a dream mm-hmm. or something, you want to remember it. That just bugged the heck out of me that I couldn't remember. But I do remember that in my dream. I mean, not the dream, but the near-death experience. It was. It was there. You know, it was like, it was just so relaxing and it just calmed me so much that I just why
0: do you think do you think you
2: were meant to not remember it or I, you know I don't know I really don't know I just know that at that point I wasn't scared anymore when he, okay when uh, whenever I heard the voice and I knew what it was saying and like I said I wished I could remember what he was saying but I, I do not remember uh, you know, like I said a, a word of it and um uh, But uh, I remember that that calmed me and relaxed me. And I remember that uh, the next thing I know, and I don't remember if he told me I was going back or if I was going back, the next thing I know, I'm just slammed back down into my body, face meeting face, which I've never heard that. That was, uh, (laughs) and I've never heard that from anybody. And I always wondered how in the could, world I could just be walking around with my, you know, I just, my face met my, and I wasn't just, I didn't float back down. I didn't float back down. I didn't like just go down real gently and lay back down like people you see on these movies and stuff. That didn't happen to me. I went face, meeting face, and I went right back in and it was like a jolt. It was like a So you a could jolt. feel the impact. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I could feel it. And I remember I just jumped up. But uh, it kind of like when you jump in your sleep? Or it was no, it was more forceful. I mean, it was just oh, like, wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, bam. And, but it uh, didn't hurt. No, it didn't hurt. Okay. And I remember I jumped up out of that bed, and I uh, I, I turned on all the lights, and I went and checked on that my children, and I and I remember that I. I decided that morning, I said, uh, they better get a handle on this heart condition and find out what's wrong with and really, So I had surgery. I had an aneurysm like six months later. Oh, wow. They said I would have been dead within six months. They wouldn't give me six months is what they told me. Well, so, do
0: you think that when you were going back into your body and you said you felt that jolt, do you think that was maybe like your heart be starting back up again? Or I'm sure that, yeah, yeah
2: I bet it was. But I know that... Um, it was, like I said, it was scary, but I, I don't never, I ha- there's one good thing that did come out of it, if anything, out of this whole thing, was I didn't dread, I knew that there was a hereafter, and I would never really questioned it, but I mean, when you have something like that happen, you don't question right. it. Right. I mean, you know, when you come up out of your body and you see your body and all these things happen to you. Even though I've never heard of an experience like mine, because most people see these beautiful lights and these beautiful tunnels and, and beautiful colors and the angels and all this, which I wish I would have had that. <laughs> I really. But even, even though I didn't have all that, I still had the, the singing bells and the comfort of the man's voice. And, uh, and do you believe, and I know you didn't
0: see the, the man, do you believe that that was God or Jesus?
2: Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, because I don't see anything else comforting me, and and me and being as scared as I was. Because I mean, I was scared. You can't imagine. I mean, uh, just being come out of your body like that and be up over by knowing that you're dead. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. I started praying the minute I went up. I mean, I started praying to God. God, please, I'm not ready. Don't take me right. from my kids. I mean, I was. You know, and so I know that... that So you got a second chance at life. Uh, Absolutely.
0: So you were, you know, you had died at that moment, and there was a reason
2: that you were brought back. Yes, absolutely.
0: That's an amazing experience.
2: Yes, it was. And for anybody out there that's listening, believe me, there is a hereafter, and you do go somewhere. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, Let's see. Well, just that I hope it's a comfort. My story's a comfort to someone that might be worried about passing on. Because I know I've always, like I said, been religious and believed that we go, you know, to heaven or to hell. Right. One or the other. But just to have that that experience, that near-death experience really instilled in me, yes, you really, you go and you go then. You don't go, <laughs> you don't wait about, or at least I did. That would so, be comforting <laughs> to me to know. And so, and I, you know, I worried about that because you worry about, whoa, where do you go right after, you know, do you go and stay in your grave till you get caught or whatever? But I went, when I died, I went straight up. And I, and like I said, I would love to hear other stories, because i, I don 't hear no stories like mine. mine it's the only ones I ever hear is about the light and the tunnels and all that stuff, and like I said, I would have loved to have that right, even though my experience was wonderful, I think I would have. I to have had a little bit of light rather than the dark. Yeah. But I did the, the voice. Like I said, the voice did calm me. And maybe it just wasn't ready for me to go any further than what, where I went. Because like I said, um, you know, my, my heart condition that I had was really severe. I mean, I had, they said if I wouldn't have come in, I wouldn't have been here six months. But they didn't even give me six months. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, and that's when I went to the doctor. The reason I got results by the way, was because I told him I died. I said, I know I died and that's what I told my doctor and, and that's I mean and they and they started doing the test and they said, Yep, you know, you're y we imagine you did, you know, so but please anybody out there if you're worried about passing over don't because you do go somewhere. You might want to try to change the place when you're right <laughs> Try to try to be a better person. Yeah, well, but, uh, I'm not here to preach at you. <laughs> well,
0: I'm sorry you didn't have the typical like light experience, but I will say I think singing bells that was is a good comforting. sign. It was, a, um, and also, the voice, yeah. You, some people say that they have seen loved ones, you know, like deceased yeah. uh, loved ones who had didn't already passed. See that. Maybe yeah. you didn't see it just because, well, other people also say, some people say they were given a choice. Like, if you come any further, you're staying here. There's no going back after you come this far. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it's just that you didn't have a choice. Maybe that's why you didn't see people, you know, see loved ones, didn't see the light, because it just really was definitely not your time. And you weren't getting a choice on if you were coming back. Like, you were going back. That's just
2: how it's going to be. Yeah. You don't get a choice. And like I said, I don't remember what the, it's the a, man's voice. I remember it was a man's voice. And he might have told me those things. He yeah. might have said, you know, you're not going any further. You know, you're And going maybe back. this was just your wake-up call. Like, you need to get help. You, yeah. This is it. This and, is your wake-up call. You are gonna you get help yeah. now. And also, like I said, it's me- and immediately after I was uh, come through, the and went up. And seeing so my body. I started praying. I did not want to leave my children. I, let, I you know, I, I, just couldn't stand the thought of leaving them. Right. And I wasn't ready. And I mean, immediately. I mean, it didn't take me long. I said, "Oh God," because I knew I died. I mean, I knew it. It did. I mean, I, I said, "Oh God, please, I'm not ready. Please, please." And I mean, I was just begging him. And uh, like I said, um, so maybe that's why I didn't go either. Maybe you know, he just said, "Well, she's she's not wanting to go. Maybe I don't need to take right. her." Right. <laughs> that very well could be it. <laughs> but I know if he ever decides to take me, I'm going. If it's his decision, I'm going to be there. So. <laughs> but, anyways, thanks for listening to my story. Yeah, well, no like problem. Said, Thank
0: you so much for being on, and I'm glad that even though it wasn't quite the experience, I know you you know you had stated you wanted the more light and everything, but I'm still glad it was a good experience for you. And
2: I mean, all in all, you're you're glad it happened. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because, like I said, I know that that, uh, and I do think that the voice was was uh, Jesus. I do. I think because it did calm me, and there's no amount of it had to take. It had to have to take Jesus to calm me and something like that, believe me, because I was so scared. And uh, I just wish I could remember what he said, yeah, for goodness can, sakes. Maybe they could transgress me or something. But <laughs> it's, been, it's been, what, about 20, over 20 yeah. years? Because you, you said that uh, happened 20, around 2000 uh, uh, Yeah, or it's something? been 21 years. Yes, okay. so I've told this story to everybody, but I've never heard nobody have that same kind of experience. So please, if anybody's had an sp- experience like mine, please let me know, because it would make me feel better to know that somebody else has just had an experience similar similar to mine. Because, right. you know, okay. most of them, like I said, they got the light and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well. I didn't see no light but I did have some good experiences out of it like you said the bells and the voice and so I I think I was headed in the right direction you've got another you
0: know over 20 years since then so yeah you must whatever the voice told you to do you must be doing something right (laughs) so absolutely uh, thank you so much that's that's an amazing story and I'm so glad you shared it with us so thank you so much for for coming on. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate it. All right, thank you. You have a good day. And you too.
1: That was a really good interview. Good job. Oh, well,
0: thank you. On your first interview. First interview and first guest on our show. Yeah,
1: that was nice. Um, It was very interesting to hear, uh you know, somebody's personal experience uh, for something like that.
0: And I know she kept saying that she's never heard of anybody else having an experience quite like hers, so... If anybody has had one like hers, then, you know, just let us know. That way I can relay to it, relay it to her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and just send us an email or contact us on Facebook because, you know, she wanted to re- remain anonymous. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll make sure and get that information to her so she knows that she's not the only one that's had that kind of experience. I don't know really what to call that, but... Um, I guess, Really, it was an out-of-body right. experience, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and a near-death experience, yeah. so both of them, yeah, really. So, um, But yeah, we'll definitely forward that to her and uh, let her know. Yep,
0: she'd like to hear it.
1: So it seems like people who have had these experiences, um, I mean, they've been positive for the most part.
0: Right, it's like they feel unconditional love and no fear of dying anymore. But not all near-death experiences are positive ones, though. And some may scare one enough to completely change their life and make them start living right. And that is exactly what happened to To Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) yes.
1: I just thought about that. Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
0: (laughs) But that's what happened to this guy named Dr. Party. He's an anesthesiologist at a heart hospital. He claims he was very materialistic and often looked down on people who he considered to be below him. In 2008, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. He had surgery to have it removed, but it caused complications and left him in excruciating pain. In 2010, he had to have emergency surgery. And it was during this time that he says he had his out-of-body or his near-death experience. And this is his story. Although deeply asleep from anesthesia, he was very aware that his consciousness had separated from his body. From a vantage point near the ceiling, he could see the surgeon cut him, and he could see the nurses and the operating room personnel uh, operating on him or working on him, whatever. Dr. Party Hopefully, then, these weren't uh,
1: people that he was looking down upon. You know, like. Uh,
0: the ones he looked down at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, one that, the so ones that worked under him. him yeah. yeah,
1: they're probably dropping elbows right, yeah. or something on him. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
0: He, he left he he then left the operating room and began to drift towards familiar voices in india where he could hear his mother and sister talking about dinner preparations so he's no longer in the hospital he is you know listening to his mom and his sister he became euphoric people are never far away he thought he said he had the sense of his presence spreading around the world a feeling of oneness with the world and everyone in it Then fear overcame him when his awareness drifted to a place where a great wildfire was raging. He could see lightning in dark clouds and smell the odor of burning meat. Hmm. He said he realized that an unseen force was pulling him into hell, leaving him in the midst of souls who were screaming and suffering. What is my karma? What did I do in my life or past life to deserve this punishment? In the middle of this horror, Dr. Party began to have the strong awareness that the life he was living was very materialistic. The truth dawned on him there in hell. The life he was living on earth was without love. He was not practicing compassion or forget- forgiveness toward himself or others. He also had an unsavory tendency to be harsh towards people he perceived to be lower than him in status. He felt deeply sorry for his lack of kindness, wishing he could have done certain things in his life differently. As soon as he had that realization, hell faded away.
1: I don't want that experience. I know, no. (laughs) (laughs) That is.
0: But I feel like Mm -hmm. if you had that experience, maybe you're like, whoa, I need to, you know, I need to wake up. I need to be a better person. Like, Maybe that was his premonition. Oh, if I don't start living right, I'm going to go to hell. So, it's his second chance to do right in life.
1: Well, and even if that was, just say, a dream that he was having while he was under procedure, you Mm -hmm. know, under anesthesia or whatever. Even if that was the dream he had and it made him a better person, then that's good.
0: Right, yes.
1: Because apparently he was an asshole. Yeah. So... (laughs) You don't want. I mean, you know, I don't know. I I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it if it wasn't, but
0: hopefully made him a person. It scared way. him enough. Whatever yeah. it was. Exactly made it him a better him person.
1: But you know what's more crazy than having uh, near death experiences is shared death.
0: And experiences. I have I have an article I found on CNN.com.
1: dot Is crazy because I've heard stories you know, here and there about that. But there's like a million of them online. Mm-hmm. Like I said at the beginning, these stories are all over the place. Right. And uh, I did not realize until researching this.
0: I'd never heard of shared death experience yeah, before, that Yeah, that there
1: was so many different experiences or what people contribute to these experiences. Not only for, you know, out-of-body experience or near-death experience but as for these shared death experiences Mm -hmm. so
0: well like i said i found this article on cnn.com and it says stories about shared death experiences have been circulating since the late 19th century the twist in shared death stories is that it's not just the people at the edge of death that get a glimpse of the afterlife Those near them, either physically or emotionally, also experience the sensations of dying. These shared death accounts come from assorted sources. Soldiers watching comrades die on the battlefield, hospice nurses, people holding death vigils at the bedside of their loved ones, all tell similar stories with the same message. People don't die alone. Some somehow find a way to share their passage to the other side.
1: Ooh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I don't want to
0: be part of a near I don't want to be part of yeah, a shared death. No thanks. <laughs> like don't take me with you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, my, not, I'm not going into the light with you. Yeah, I'm turning back.
1: Yeah. You're you're on your own for that journey. Um but uh
0: Oh, unless it's like a couple who die together and they cross over together. That would be I'd be okay with that.
1: Okay. I don't know what to say that to that. That would be sweet. Yeah. Um. That brings me not really that didn't really segue into my story, but um, we got a story about a uh, William Peters. Um, and it says, uh, William Peters was working as a volunteer in a hosp in in a hospice when he was. well, I can't even read. I had to bring up the, the light on my tablet here. There we go. William Peters was working as a volunteer in hospice when he had a strange encounter with a dying man that changed his life. The man's name was Ron. He was a former merchant marine who was afflicted with stomach cancer. Peters says he would spend up to three hours a day at Ron's bedside talking to and reading adventure stories to him because few family or friends ever visited. When Peters... uh, Let's see. When Peters plopped by Ron's bedside around lunch one day, the frail man was semi-conscious. Peters read passages from Jack London's Call of the Wild as the frail man struggled to hang on. What happened next, Peter says... was unexplainable. Peter said he felt a force jerk his spirit upward out of his body. He floated above Ron's bedside looking down at, at the dying man. He glanced next to him to discover Ron's floating, Ron was floating alongside him looking at the same scene below. He said he looked at me and gave me this happy, uh, content look as he was telling me, check this out. Here we are, Peter says. (laughs) Peter says he then felt his spirit drop into his body again. The experience was over in a flash. Ron died soon after. But Peter's questions about the day lingered. He didn't know what to call uh, that moment, but eventually learned that it, you know, it wasn't unique. Uh, Peters had, of course, a shared death experience, and mo- you know, most of us um, have heard of near-death experiences, kind of like what we were talking about a while ago. Um, but uh, you know, the stories of people who died and returned to life with tales of floating through tunnels to a distant light, you know, have become part of pop culture. You know, like I said, I didn't know much about that Mm-mm, until never. i started researching yeah, it. i never heard of it. Um but uh you know yet there's a that other category now um of near death experiences which are you know the shared death experiences which are more
0: well I feel like more confusing, I guess. Well than, I feel like people like scientists and people who don't believe in near death experiences, they have they have these reasons why like they're just hallucinations lack of brain you know the lack of oxygen getting to the brain they're causing hallucinations that make you think you're having a near-death experience I don't know that they could really explain shared death experiences like maybe if it was somebody who knew the person and they were so like overcome by grief and I read a I read an article about that that there's like oh they're just so overcome with grief and they want to make up this story that they got to share this experience about their loved one dying and going to heaven, but that's a story about a man who he didn't really have a connection to this guy. No, he but- was just a hospice volunteer, right, or a hospital volunteer. Yeah, he wasn't personally or emotionally attached to this guy. It was just somebody who he went in and visited because the guy didn't get many visitors. So he wouldn't be so. I'm not saying you can't care right, about yeah. somebody. I'm not saying that, but he might have grown attached to the to this man. But well, how he long, didn't long did it have, say three years? Oh, uh, was it three years? On, uh, I, I may um, be wrong.
1: Let me look. Um, uh, oh no, no, it says he sat with him for three hours a day. Okay, uh, but it doesn't really say um, how long it was. It just says that he sat with him for three hours a day Right.
0: well i mean i i'm not you know know, if i sat with somebody at a hospital and you know sat with them i would be sad when they died i would but he didn't have an you know he didn't with that being said i don't
1: know how hospice people do that
0: right
1: yeah i'm glad people are out there that are Mm -hmm. able to do that so people don't have to die by themselves um i don't i i'm not one of those people yeah. i could not it'd be hard that. for
0: me emotionally to do that yeah
1: especially ones that deal with children right yeah there's, there's no, no way i could do no that. way so kudos to you guys for being able to do that um
0: and i wish i could because i would like to be there you know for you know kids and stuff but that would just be heartbreaking phew, i
1: can't imagine i don't even want to think about that No. okay moving on let's moving talk about on. different death so
0: one of the first shared death experiences to gain attention came during World War I from Karl Scala, a German poet. Scala was a soldier huddled in a foxhole with his best friend when an artillery shell exploded, killing his comrade. He felt his, He felt his friend slump into his arms and die. He felt himself being drawn up with his friend above their bodies and then above the battlefield. Scala could look down and see himself holding his friend. Then he looked up and saw a bright light and felt himself going toward it with his friend. Then he stopped and returned to his body. He was uninjured except for hearing loss that resulted from the artillery blast. So maybe that was just his friend, like, I want you to know I'm okay. Yep, and don't worry be. about me. I'm going to be okay. Well
1: could be. That's kind of a, you know, that wasn't...
0: Hmm. Kind of like your story that you just told about, maybe that man was like, "Hey, thanks for right. visiting me all that time." Yeah, maybe that was his way of saying thank you.
1: You know, and that's another, yeah, another topic for another time. Never mind. <laughs> so, um, we'll we'll probably cover that later on. So I'm not even going to bring that up. Um, I do have one more story um, that has to go, you know, or that goes with uh, the shared death experiences, which is this one. Okay, this one's actually about a mother and daughter um, They kind of had an experience. So let's get into this story. Um, Annie Cap was born in the United States but eventually moved to England where she worked in telecommunications. One day after Christmas in 2004, uh, she said her mother, Betty, suddenly fell ill in Portland, Oregon. When she was hospitalized, uh, over the next few days, her... Um, Major Oregon started shutting down, but Annie couldn't make it over there And she, but she didn't know that her mother was dying. She knew she was in the hospital she just didn't know that it was that bad um when cap learned that her mom was ill uh she couldn't make it like I said she couldn't make it over there because it was the holiday season um uh, but she was in her London office with a client one day when she started. Uh, to gag and struggle to breathe. She was mystified because she uh, was in good health. She struggled for air for about 25 minutes and with a uh, growing sense of dread regarding her mother. um, She said, I felt and heard this strange gurgling in my throat. I started coughing and gagging and I had a deep growing sadness I quickly rescheduled my client, and once they had left, I ran as fast as I could to my house and called my mom's hospital phone. That's when she learned that her mother had been gasping for air and on the verge of death. While Annie was on the phone, she says her mother died. She's convinced that somehow she shared her mother's death but she kept denying it because she was an agnostic at the time who did not believe in the afterlife. Now she says she does. Today, Annie is a therapist in London and an author of Beyond Goodbye, an extraordinary true story of a shared death experience. It wasn't a blissful experience, she says, about that day after Christmas. Because I felt like I was suffocating.
0: It's kind of like that, like twins. You know, they say twins have that connection to each other, and if something happens to the other one, oh, that's another thing we we could have looked up. Dang, they claim that they can sense it or feel it, yeah, or sense when the other one's in trouble or
1: right. Yeah, that's crazy. Um,
0: We might do an episode. We're gonna have to do a part two.
1: Well, we're gonna have to do a part two because we got we've got soldiers. Mm-hmm. we've got twins and we've got, um, what was the other one we thought of? Oh, car accidents oh, and stuff. Yes. So yeah, we'll definitely have to do a part no, two of this.
0: Yeah. That it'll give us time to like get our stories all together and stuff. Yeah. I do have one more story. All right. Okay. So a lot of he- nurse nurses and the healthcare workers claim that when someone dies, that a light will exit the top of their just exit from their body or top of their head or something like that
1: seen that on videos too Now i don't know how true you know you whenever you see videos you don't know if they've been edited or not but yeah i have seen stuff like that um on videos also
0: but yeah uh, and they have signs that i mean other than that they say that there are signs that someone else is going to to die um Like there will be a sudden drop in temperature at the bedside of a dying patient or a light will surround the body of that patient. Well, one lady, her name is Penny Sartori, and she has a shared death experience. She was a nurse for 21 years, and she had a deathbed vision that left her shaken. One night, she was preparing to give a bath to a dying man who was hooked up to a ventilator and on other life-prolonging equipment. She says she touched the man's bed and everything around stopped she said her surroundings disappeared and it was almost like i swapped places with him she said she could suddenly understand everything the man was going through including feeling his pain he couldn't talk but she says he could she could somehow hear him convey a heart-wrenching message leave me alone let me die in peace just let me die and it that experience caused her to do a five-year investigation into such stories. And she published the book, The Wisdom of Near-Death Experiences. So, hmm. there's that.
1: So, with that, did she not do anything to help him then?
0: Oh, I don't know. You know, it doesn't say. I don't because know if he just that, died well, but you shortly think. afterwards or... Because
1: that crosses mm-hmm. that line of, you know, you see those where doctors and nurses have been in trouble for not helping a patient if they know the patient's getting ready to die mm-hmm. or administering, you know, something to the patient to help them die right, or yeah. something like that. So, hmm... I'm assuming she didn't get in trouble. I mean, she wrote a book and right, stuff yeah. afterwards. But so I'm, not, so I'm not saying that she, you know, should have gotten in trouble. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you do hear those stories, too, you know, where people say, well, they told me that they just wanted to die. And then they give them a shot of something right. or they just walk out of the room and let them die. And then they end up in prison, you know? Yeah, I
0: didn't even, like, none of that came to mind when I was reading that story. Wow, yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up.
1: (laughs) Too much ID channel. But
0: she didn't go in It didn't say anything else further about if he died shortly after that or Yeah, well, I mean, like I
1: said, you know, obviously she didn't get in trouble. Um, But, I mean, there are those other cases where people have said the exact same thing so they've helped the patient die right. in some sort of way and they end up in prison so hmm.
0: it happened on that's er
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think there was an episode about that where dr uh dr ross i think did that
1: that's uh well you know that i think that happened on house too mm-hmm. now that we're talking about doctor stuff mm-hmm. because i think uh well, the blonde-haired guy—I can't even think of his name—but he remember the guy that was the terrorist or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. They, he
1: ended up kind of assisting mm-hmm. in his death to save all those people. Doctor Chase. There we go. Came to me <laughs> anyway. That's way off. So that's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole different <laughs> ID channel episode. So, but um.
0: I think that's pretty much all we have for today.
1: Yeah, that's all I've got. But yeah, we definitely are going to do a part two because we just came up with a, a lot more. Different stuff for this topic. You know
0: what would be better for part two? If we had some... Oreos. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oreos make anything (laughs) better. But it would be better if we had some experiences from some of our listeners out there.
1: For sure. If you guys have ever had any experience like this... Out
0: of body, near death, shared death.
1: Or you know somebody who has. Or you know a story. Send it to us on our email. spirit guides qsp podcast at com.
0: you know i think we might have been saying that backwards
1: yeah I in think some of the
0: other been. episodes i think we said spirit guides podcast. podcast yeah but it is i mean for certain it is spirit guides qsp podcast at gmail
1: it is yeah, and I do think that we've been saying it wrong, but just be like everybody else and send us a message on Facebook or uh, Instagram.
0: Yeah, it's just as easy to check it yeah. on there.
1: Uh, but if you are one of those people that like to send emails, just it is our official email is Spirit Guides QSP Podcast at Gmail dot com.
0: So sorry if anybody was sending it to the
1: other,
0: that's, that's the hubby's fault because he was the one in charge of that. So he's, he was relaying to me what it was and that's what I would say. I'm only, I only gave out the information that he told me. I check it. Blame him, (laughs) it's his
1: fault. I check it and, um, but I never really look to remember what the the actual email was and if you guys have listened to previous episodes you know i never remember what the email is right yeah but that is for sure what it is it, spirit guides qsp podcast at com.
0: all right so now you know
1: yep and that is all i have got
0: yeah me too but uh i hope y'all have enjoyed listening to it and that you'll want to continue and to tune in next time
1: yeah tell your friends family all you people in other countries <laughs> continue to listen and tell people and uh you know and, Again, I hope you guys have a good week, and we will see you next time. Yeah,
0: have a good week. Bye, guys.
1: Later.